Welcome to another episode of HP Critical. It's a podcast where we're friends and I talk all things gaming. I'm Drell and I'm joined by Christy. Hi everybody. And Brandon. Hello everyone. And today we're going to have a little bit of, it's a very chill podcast. There wasn't too much news that we want to report on this week, so it'll be a quick one. Hopefully you guys will enjoy it um, whenever and however you listen. But first up, how have you guys been? What you been playing? Oh, pretty chill, honestly, this last week. Uh, well, I got a night. I was telling y'all in the, this morning, I got a nice 11 hour sleep because it was actually exo- last week was kind of exhausting. <laughs> so I slept very well today. Um, yeah, I've been doing chores, just playing games. Like, I not much change from last. I've been just playing mostly the um, Pokemon DLC, just trying to catch them all. I've only got like nine left before I'm done with the Kitakami Pokedex. So, very happy about that. I Which will be done with do that you soon. Need, do you know? Uh, yes, I do know, know which one I need. I need all the le- new legendaries that they added mm. on just a few just a few odds and ends that I either need to catch at a different time of day or need to trade with a friend. That's pretty much it. I need to learn my phone because it's making noise in the background. <laughs> but Christy, how's your, how's, how are you doing? What you been playing? I'm alive. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I'm alive. I'm here. Yeah, um... That. Yeah, as for any listeners who don't know, I guess I do not really announce it on my socials, but I'm going back to grad school, so I'm slightly dead about half the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I've been playing the Pokemon DLC. Um, I think I have about 60 more Pokemon left to catch. I got like 120 already, so there's, no, 80 more, sorry, mental math. <laughs> I just need to catch 80 more Pokemon, but I'm super excited to play Detective Pikachu Returns next we're, week. We're, it is next week. What? God, that, God, that is sneaking next up on Friday. me. Next Friday. Oh, my God. Next Friday. No way. Oh, my way. God. That's so close. That's so close. I haven't done anything. I haven't finished any games. What's going on? I guess I got to go play Final Fantasy 16 after this. Because I'm still not done with that. Oh, my gosh. Um, all right, well, let's get I mean, into... granted, I don't blame you. For? I don't blame you for not finishing 16. It's just that the side quest, there are a lot, like, the MM, like, FF14, the fetch quest, and, like, you know, around Reborn. So, you know, I don't blame you. It, it's a struggle sometimes. Yeah, you know, I think I... it was a bad idea to... Sorry, Brandon. I think it was a bad idea to um, make... And I, and I understand why it's done, because I think it can be very dynamic, uh, and, it, and it, it makes a difference gameplay-wise to make side quests only doable on certain parts of the story. Obviously, because mm. of the things that happen in the game, you're not going to be able to sure. access things back and forth. However, um, I was so happy when I read that Rebirth is not going to do that, and you can access the side content anytime in the game, whenever you feel like it. And I think that's so wow. important for... I, I never thought it would be a thing, but now that I'm older, and I'm like... Now that I'm older, and the way that I play games has kind of changed, because you can't just, you know, get out of school and just hop on your game until you gotta go to bed, you know? You can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, we've got lots of jobs and lots of things we got to do, and so you know you you really have to determine how you're going to spend your time, and I think 
that's what's been slowing me down actually with 16 is that I have to do all of these right now because I can't go back to them later because they're only available at a certain time. And I love that uh, rebirth with everything that it has. It's going to be, you know, it's reported to be over 100 hours of content. It's going to have its own uh, uh, card game in it. It's going to have like card game. It's going to have so much stuff. So I'm so happy that it's not going to be like, oh, you have to do all this now. You can literally do it whenever you want. That That's all I was going to say about that. I'm very excited about that. And I think more games should not have restrictions. I know it's a lot of stuff based on story. I get that. But it does kind of suck when you're forced to stop the main storyline to veer off onto some side quests that you might not even enjoy. And I think I told both of you, back. this is back when I was still playing 16. Uh, <laughs> for the most part, I think the side quests do present themselves at a time where I think they'd be natural in the story. Like, mm-hmm. okay, Clive is relaxing for a little bit before his next main mission. So here's when the side quests populate. From a from a narrative perspective, I'm like, okay, this seems like a natural time to do side quests. But let me tell y'all, and I, again, I mentioned this a few months ago. There is a point in the story where I won't go into specifics, but place is burning. People are in major danger. We got to go. Yeah. Side quests pop up. I'm like, literally, part of my language, well, fuck you. I'm not doing these right now. <laughs> but you have to. It's, it, it's, I don't know. Like, I, mean, I was you don't able have- to. You, no, you don't have to, but it's like you feel like you, you have to because it's oh, there. Okay, so you said, the but but that but but that's but that's but that's the only time in the story where I just didn't do the side quest right because this was there's there's a thing called Ludo narrative dissonance and this was like the peak of that where it's like no I am not going to go find some whatever for you when there's little lives on the line so no thank you that that is like that is like oh i have to cough oh my god don't do it that is like um that point in the last of us part two and if you know if you play the last of us two you know exactly what i'm talking about the point in the story where things come to a head and it's a climax between uh ellie and abby mm, and then it completely just mm. says no fuck you <laughs> like now you have to play a whole other part of the game uh, until you can get back here and it was yeah. the worst experience i've ever had in gaming um like that um but uh yeah, yeah well, last was part two took some big swings but holy crap there's some pacing issues to say the that least. was my least favorite thing but before i get off on topic uh we're already off let's let's veer back on let's <laughs> you just... said this is a chill I'm podcast so sorry. anyway it's my fault no it's not i said it was a chill podcast yeah like straight up yeah no this is this is fine we don't have that much news so yeah. like we could we, we, got, we could like, bullshit a little bit it's <laughs> totally fine um because i could now you know just talk about my obsession with lorcana but we're gonna move on um so <laughs> embracer ceo lars Winkfors says that the company is seeking outside investments for some projects to avoid some layoffs but also quote ultimately we are making decisions to either restructure or downsize some teams and there will be a few cases of closures um there's strong vibrant market with many many active players uh this is on possible divestment of studios uh both financial sponsors and big industry players but it's easier to run proper processes for i would say more high value assets than smaller assets um basically uh embracer group which i believe now also has um they bought some studios from sony correct including uh sony and crystal dynamics including tomb raider Yes, I do remember them yeah, getting they... and Tomb Raider. Okay, that's what I thought. I was like, weren't they also the studio that purchased like a Crystal Dynamics? 
Yes. And I think, didn't they purchase, I think, kind of um, the Western company Square owned mm-hmm. as well, too? I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure Like Edo? Yeah. Um, so I just looked it up here so I can have it for you. There's a list of mergers and acquisitions by Embracer Group. Um, and I'm only going to go over the most recent ones, which uh, the assets from Square Enix Europe that they got were Crystal Dynamics, Eidos Montreal, and Square Enix Montreal. Mm, um, they also have uh, Tripwire Interactive, Middle Earth Enterprises, Limited Run Games, uh, Bitwave Games, um, Tatsujin from Japan, Anime Limited, VR Distribution. Um, I think those are pretty much the big recent ones. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, and I can't forget uh, the the their comics thing. They have uh, Dark Horse Media, so the, all the Dark Horse comics, which are pretty big, Dark Horse Entertainment, Dark Horse wow. Games, Dark Horse Manga. Oh. Um, that's a pretty big acquisition. I can't believe I didn't hear about that one. Uh, and this one was. Uh, oh, I didn't even know that. Twenty twenty one. Um, this is not recent. Wow. Um, yeah, and I, I think we talked about it like briefly. <laughs> Uh, I think it was briefly like mentioned, like in yeah. a footnote, like three years ago. <laughs> like that's how long we've been doing this. Um, but I, I remember talking about it. But yeah, um, those the, those are some of the bigger ones, and so it's so surprising for them to take on something as big as a lot of these titles, and then to be in this position. Um, True, yeah. And it it sucks. Like to be honest, it, it it sucks. Anytime there's a studio that's that's dealing with layoffs, it sucks. It sucks for employees. It sucks for gamers. It sucks for the industry all around. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens with Tomb Raider, and especially forward. for the company too. Mhm. 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 Um, well, not Embracer, but like the company that they own. That you know it, they own. Yes. We'll see what we'll 100%. see what happens uh, moving forward. Although it all does not seem very good. Um, so next up, there are video games that are releasing within a one week period in 2024. This is from January 25th to February 2nd, and we're all not going to have time to play all of them. And those are Apollo Justice Ace Attorney Trilogy, Under Night and Birth Two Cisellus, Tekken Eight. Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth, the best game. You guys should probably get it. Um, Grand Blue Fantasy Relink, Persona 3 Reload, really good game. Uh, and Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, which we know was pushed back for a little bit. Um, and I think the the Ace Attorney. No, no, it's not. Ace Attorney. You said that one. Apollo Justice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you I, did, said I did. I did. Apollo. I did. So. Um, uh, we know that January is usually a traditionally slow month for games. Um, it's going to be very crowded. How are we feeling about this 2024 January uh, lineup? It's just so hilarious It's for me. people who love those games. It is. It, it, if you are someone that plays a lot of games, this is going to be very, very rough. Definitely for the game journals that we are all acquainted with are definitely going to have themselves uh, a rough month. I mean, but, us uh, too. <laughs> Sure, no, for sure. Like, a lot of those games I'm very much interested in. Like, uh, we're starting with Persona 3, Like, Persona 3 Reload. Yeah. And Apollo Apollo Justice, which, which, I mean, we've all been begging for it to be ported over to the Switch, and it's finally being ported over, and you're like, what do you mean it's being released next to Persona 3 Reload? And also, like a dragon? What? What? Really? Just two big RPGs. And Tekken 8, which I'm really looking forward to. Like, I'll probably just dabble in that because it's a fighting game. I can just kind of, like, check in on it every now and then. Um, Persona 3 Reload, I'm going to play that as much as possible before Rebirth comes out because that's, like, only a month away, so there's that problem, too. The way I'm Uh, playing nothing when Rebirth comes out but Rebirth, like, I don't care. Sorry. 
How are we still? How are we in this situation again? Or me in this situation? Because 2020 re I'm sorry, Persona 5 Royal and remake came out the same year too. And now, but that but after Kingdom Hearts, right? Uh, Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, no, it was right after the DLC of Kingdom Hearts. Mm. That was January. It was right after the DLC. Yes. I had thankfully I had that done by then. Well, the the story portion of the DLC, not the optional boss fights that followed because that's uh yeah anyway but yeah no we're in this situation again the difference was 2020 was covid so i had a lot of time More time off. yes so i so i was able to mm-hmm. actually give enough time to both remake and uh royal we i don't have that that uh that anymore i'm really gonna have to pick and choose how i spend my time uh just like persona it makes you uh figure out how to spend your time time management all of this uh so there's that Apollo Justice being when it, I mean, I'll get it just to make sure it gets supported, but that's not a big worry because I, I I had no intention of playing that immediately at launch anyway because, one, I've already played them. But I'm probably going to do, like, a stream series of that at some point, uh, which I'm not going to be doing right when it comes out. That's something in the future. It, it, it definitely came out a lot sooner than I was uh, hoping slash expecting. So uh, I'll, do that, I'll do that when I can. <laughs> <laughs> just, okay. But I just also want to bring up one last thing about mm-hmm. the games in January. Um <laughs> Because we did talk about this earlier this year on the podcast about the delay of uh, Suicide Squad killed the yeah. Justice League. And that's, uh, <laughs> well, people weren't happy with the way that game was looking as it was getting close to release. So they were like, oh, we're going to delay it, which was both a combination of, I think, just kind of like retweaking some things to make it look more appealing to people that actually wanted to buy the game. And uh, a little less, I think, the little secret of the curtain there was, behind the curtain there was the fact that uh, that game was releasing in a very crowded time yeah. when it, in its original release date. And, you know, the idea was, let's delay it so, uh, you know, it probably has a better chance to shine. You know, let's put it in January. No <laughs> games come out in January. It's a quiet time. You know, fast forward to now, and, uh, oh, boy. To a degree, I feel bad for developers because, oh, my God, they're just like... Uh, this is what they were trying to avoid, and now the the, the, month, the month that's supposed to be like the not crowded month is now filled to the brim with <laughs> yeah. games. Yeah, so... I think the only thing they had that is at their uh, benefit is the fact that it's the only game like it on the list. This is true, like but it certainly is. But it certainly is the only true. game. But it isn't the only game like it in uh, recent history of being a live service game. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I think from this list, I'm 100% getting Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. Like I mentioned, if you have not played Like a Dragon, you can get it on sale super cheap somewhere, I'm sure. Please, please, please do yourself the favor of doing it, especially if you like RPGs. Like, you will love this game. If you like um, Final Fantasy, if you like uh, Dragon Quest, um, if you like just RPGs in general, turn-based. It's turn-based combat, so don't be, don't think it's like that action games like the others in the series. It's turn-based combat. It's super fun. It it plays with lots of uh, video game tropes. Like, it's a great game. Go do it before Infinite Wealth, and then go watch the Infinite Wealth trailer, and then everybody go play Infinite Wealth. It's gonna be great. Um, I'll be getting Infinite Wealth. I've been looking at Grand Blue Fantasy Relink for years. It's, it's yeah, crazy. The game's actually coming mm-hmm. out now because it's been so freaking long. I'm gonna hold off on, on, on P3 Reload. Probably get it when it's on sale again or play it on Game Pass. Um... You know, Persona games take a long time, and I don't want to be bogged down by that before before Rebirth. Um, Same thing with Suicide Squad. I I just kind of wish that um, 
given that Rebirth is relatively close to it, that Reload was also getting a Switch release because then it's like, okay, I'll play Rebirth at home and Reload when I'm, you know, on the go or on a mm. break at work or something. But uh, mm-hmm. no, now I'm really going to have to choose now. And it's almost certainly going to be Rebirth. So Reload is going to take a break. And then, and, and, and then, and then in, in two or three months when I'm done with Rebirth and then I'm like, all right, back to Reload. Oh, fuck. What am I doing? <laughs> How do I persona? <laughs> Oh, uh, right. Uh, the the oh RPG God. break is devastating. Double, did you play the original Brandon? Uh, I dabbled in P3 um, Fez mm. when I got I got I got I got PS2 uh, I got the PS2 version on my PS3 through the uh, PlayStation Store. I have not touched Portable. Like it was always on my list, but uh, I kind of said, eh, "I'm okay. Reload's coming out. I'll just do that as my P3 experience." Yeah, makes sense. Um, so next up, let's talk about, uh, the, uh, so Christy and I had a very long conversation about this, actually. We did. So we're not going to go into the long conversation <laughs> that Christy and I had about it, although we should at some point, because I feel like it'd be a very interesting, um, conversation topic, but, uh, Microsoft, uh, we, we did see their, their data, which talked about their revenue. And how they made fifteen billion dollars in revenue in twenty twenty one, and I'm not going to talk about comparisons that were made, but I will talk about more of uh, their the the their money situation that we know about. Um, so the big three net revenue fiscal year for twenty twenty three aligned as follows: with Sony PlayStation making twenty six point seventy one uh, seven ninety one billion, um, Microsoft making fifteen point forty three billion, and Nintendo making twelve point zero four two billion um and the article goes on to say that based on these revenues we can see that playstation made 11.3 billion more than xbox and 14.7 billion more than nintendo and and xbox made 3.4 billion more than nintendo once again though this is only revenue and it goes on to say revenues aren't everything nintendo managed to deliver a 3.792 billion dollars in operating profit versus playstation's 1.846 billion operating profit playstation's profits were slightly down due to factors like the 3.6 billion dollar acquisition of bungie um, and we do not know xbox profits margins because they do not share them um, so, but, and that's why it's so important because any business is going to, you know, say, wow, you know, our revenue is great, but you're also going to look at the amount of money that you made and Nintendo has clearly made more money than PlayStation. Um, so, so it's a very, it's a very interesting conversation that we're not going to have right now, but the only reason I wanted to bring this up is- We're not going to have because I am a <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, the reason I wanted to bring it up, though, is because last week we were talking about uh, Xbox and their performance. And so mm-hmm. these these numbers were just to prove that they aren't doing as bad as I think a lot of people think they are. Um, and that was just the whole talking point there. You know, $15 billion in revenue is nothing to sneeze at. Um, and, and they're doing pretty decent for themselves, or they were in 2021, right after all these conversations came up that we talked about last week, as far as acquisitions went for Nintendo. Um, and then once again, of course, when you look at it, that, that means they made 1 billion more than Nintendo in revenue in that year. Um, so then you can kind of see how some of these conversations go, but, uh, still Nintendo (laughs) made more profit than they did either way. Um, but yeah, that was that. Um, if there are any comments on that, otherwise I can move on. I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. Uh, so, excuse me. Next up. Oh my god, I need more water. <clears throat> There's a tweet from I am Rob TV that says, "Imagine if Epic Games just decided, hey guys, we're shutting down the Fortnite servers forever." And you're losing all of your skins and cosmetics you paid for. Don't worry, though. Fortnite 2 is coming. That's basically what Activision is doing tomorrow. And this was in response to Warzone 1 being shut down. This was uh, four days ago. Um, and none of the skins transfer over, as far as I'm aware, to Warzone 2. Um, so everything that you bought and purchased in Warzone 1, which is a live service game, if I am not mistaken, because it's not like it's a free to play game, but it's a live service. Mm -hmm. Um, the servers are being shut down and nothing is transferring over as far as I understand. Um, and a lot of people supposedly didn't even play the, um, multiplayer in Warzone 1. So you can't play, you won't be able to play the game at all. Um, it's completely being wiped. All your money's being gone, uh, being, you know, spent. You can't get it back. Um, however, you know, uh, the only, the only, and this isn't even a caveat for them. Uh, there was a piece of news that I don't think we got to talk about, which was that the FTC is now allowing people to get refunds on purchases that they made through Fortnite and Epic Games, which I think is great for a lot of people. But uh, the, the this was brought up by Gabe. He's not here. But the reason I personally wanted to talk about this is because I wanted to talk about the bigger um, the bigger understanding of what it means to not own our games anymore and the future of games not being owned. Uh, because I think this is the first time that we've had such a high-profile game end up in a situation where it's just completely shut down. And no matter what money you've spent on it or what you've done, it's just gone. Um, I think the most recent was from Overwatch to Overwatch 2, which, you know, people did get everything they paid for. And, all, like, eventually everything was sent over. But that was a huge deal. But... It kind of just calls into question the future of, uh, and that's what I want to talk to you guys about. This kind of just calls into question the future of uh, gaming, which we all know is going to be digital. Like we can we can own our physical copies, but they can still, you know, they come on two discs nowadays because they're so big, and they can mm -hmm. still block you from even playing your physical like games um, uh, on on your consoles. Like even if you own it, like this is through software updates. Yeah, like they can just shut it down if they want to. So. Um, with that coming up, are you guys, how do you guys feel about the future of gaming when things like this happen? Are you concerned? Are you afraid? Is it just an inevitability? So, you know, you don't care. Um, how does this, how, how does this affect you personally? Not, so, not this game specifically. I mean, the, the topic. Yeah, at of large. course, of course. Just the topic at large. Yeah. It's so go ahead, Chrissy. Concerning to say the least. It's like you bought, you spend so much money on these games. It's like, I know for like some of us, we do purchase collector's editions of games that we really love. Mm -hmm. And even though it's a physical copy, the fact that in the future through like software updates, we're not able to even download them or play them. It's a bit concerning because it's like, why, why do I need the internet to play my game that's on a physical disc? Shouldn't I just be able to pop it in the console and play it? Like it shouldn't be this, big thing where we need internet all the time like constant internet connection just to play the game yeah um 
something that you said, Jarrell, was what, which I just want to emphasize real quick. You said specifically, uh, game. Uh, this has never happened for a game that like this high profile. Like, if you if you're if you play a lot of live service games, particularly gotcha games, you know there does come a point where those servers end and all those microtransaction purchases you made have just just disappeared into the aether, unfortunately. But like you said, no, this is a war zone. Yeah. Call of Duty. Call of Duty. One of the yes. biggest one of the biggest franchises ever. So again, it's it's ha- this has happened before, but now more people are paying attention because it is such a high profile release. And I do I do wonder what that's going to mean for the future of these kind of games. Uh, the fortunate answer is I don't think it'll change too much. Like I think companies are going to continue to do this if they like. Realistically, there is no server of any game that can last forever. Even Fortnite, as popular as there will come a time, whether it be a decade, twenty years from now, where the servers will just end, and then they'll have to uh, all those skins that they had the legacy of building will just will disappear. And that is something that uh, that's just a, that's just the reality of it. I think it's obviously unfortunate that we are nearing inching and inching closer to a future where games that game is because gaming is becoming kind of like an impertinent an impertinent thing where you know something that you bought today just may not function five years depending on the kind of game it is uh physical goes a long way in stopping that because you own your physical game and assuming you're buying like a game that doesn't really have an online component that in theory could last for a long time but the thing is consoles don't last forever so even even if you own a physical game for this console, there's no guarantee that you'll have that console forever because over time it'll just wear and tear and just not work anymore. And then the secondhand market of other consoles just may not work either. It's just like nothing in gaming, unfortunately, is completely permanent. It's a lot more dicey than other media because music can be preserved in any number of different ways and it'll still sound for the most part the same. Same thing with movies. They can be preserved as streaming services or whatever the current physical format is. But gaming... Just because they're tied to the consoles that they're made for more often than not, it's just difficult to sometimes support certain games for. Like DS games are notoriously hard to um, maintain these days, just because of how much it took advantage of the two screens. Just as an example, so it's the same thing with the PS3 games too. Apparently, they're yeah. notoriously difficult to port. Which is why so that's the reason like... why we don't see as many PS3 games, and we're still waiting for the Final Fantasy 13. Trilogy yeah, no. to come. That's and that, yeah, like Chrissy hit the nail on the head. PS3 games have that have that issue too. Um, that's why they're so notoriously hard to port, which is why they got <laughs> lumped into streaming. As if you like have like the PlayStation Plus services right now. So unless they go back and just like make the game from scratch, and like deport it to modern platforms, it's kind of stuck in that format, which is very unfortunate. But uh, no, like I, I want to be very clear. I think this is a very unfortunate thing, but I think this is something that, in a way, has always really existed. The impertinence of your games, just like being able to just disappear at a moment's notice. It's just more apparent with live service games because mm-hmm. they are one hundred percent based on online community and a server and those kind of purchases. They're they're just more susceptible to dying sooner than most other games. I feel so. Yeah, short answers. I hate it. But it is what it is. <laughs> Do you think that Fortnite and Epic Games are kind of watching to see what the reaction is to Warzone, so that way they can make plans for Fortnite in the future? I, I suppose so. that's possible. I suppose that's possible. I think Fortnite, as long as it's lasted already, I think there's always a way they could keep something going with Fortnite. I think that's something they may want to look into sooner rather than later. 
making some kind of mode that like even if you could just play like with local friends without having like a server or anything like that would probably go a long way or making some more offline content like realistically fortnite's not going anywhere anytime soon but it will so it would behoove them to try to like figure out a way to make that game still playable in some way even when this end is nigh um i said no and i think that's because i 100 percent epic games first of all like we all know epic games has their timeline of what they're gonna do with fortnite and how they're gonna do it um, so kind of like to Brandon's point, the, it, it's not. A, I don't think it's something they're concerned about anytime soon. And also, I feel like the biggest backlash for Warzone has just been because it wasn't just that they got rid of Warzone, right? Like they they got rid of Warzone one, but they're telling everybody just go play Warzone two. So there's something there that they're like, okay, well we did this one I forgot thing, to but go that. over here. And I forgot to mention that. I'm sorry. I just wanted to cut in real quick. I, like. <laughs> That's that's a, that's one aspect of this that I did forget to mention that um, you're getting the direct successor to this thing that you're shutting off for. So as much as I say it, it is what it is. In this case, it's kind of crummy because you are getting a Warzone two that is replacing it, and nothing is transferring over. Like Overwatch two, obviously, is getting lambasted for a lot of the issues it caused, but at least you could take carry your purchases over eventually. And still have all your skins and whatnot, but Warzone Two isn't even offering you that, like none of it is from, from what you're telling me. Which that's like, yikes. Yeah, um, and as far as uh, Epic Games, the reason I said I disagree is because with the FTC's ruling, you can get refunds now from Epic Games. So I feel mm -hmm. like the big I forgot thing about that. that would have caused issue with Epic has already kind of been solved with the FTC, sure. which is just like if completely forgot about that. Yeah, so if they're if they're gonna shut it down and you know move you over to Fortnite too, just get a refund as much as you can. If well if they're gonna if they're gonna shut down Fortnite one to put us over on Fortnite two, I do not think that they're going to not have your stuff transfer. Specifically mm -hmm. because they have so many licenses that they had to acquire just now to have. So you've got celebrities, you've got anime, you've got video games, you've got movies, you've got TV shows, you've got some of the biggest legendary things and people in Fortnite. There is zero way they're going to be like, no, you can't have Ariana Grande fight Dragon Ball Z characters versus My Hero characters versus Resident Evil characters anymore in, in, in you know, Fortnite 2, because that's a part of the novelty of the entire game. Um, so I don't think, I don't think they, like, if they're watching this at all, I think it's just to be like, yeah, if we ever do that, we know that we're having everything transfer over. Um, and also sure. because people can get refunds, I don't think it'll be, I don't think it will essentially be a problem, like at all. Uh, I think the the be, and, I, and I think that because specifically Fortnite is free, right? I feel like the the problem with Overwatch was that Overwatch was a purchase that you made at sixty dollars and you owned everything, so every new thing you already had that became a free to play service game that would cost you more in the long run to be able to continue to get the things that you used to get for free, um, mm. and I think that is mm -hmm. what upsets people uh, uh, more than just you know the changes that happened in fortnite as far as game modes and stuff uh i'm sorry and in, uh, in overwatch as far as game modes and stuff i think that's what upset people like me specifically like i used to get all this stuff for free now i have to buy a 20 dollars battle pass to get all these things uh every like excuse me every two months which um 
uh, before the year is out, I've now paid twice for this game, and I'm supposed to keep doing that in perpetuity to be able to keep up to what I used to get for $60. Now, um, of course, that does make a live service game much more sustainable because now you have people that are paying battle passes. And yes, yeah, sure, yeah. it's free now, but you end up spending more money. So I think that's what upset people a lot. And I feel like Fortnite, if it does go down this road, doesn't have that issue because it initially started as a free game with a battle pass. So it's not like it's like, oh, we used to give all of this for free, now we're taking it away. It's like, um, we're doing the same thing, except for you can get a refund now, thanks to the FTC. <laughs> so, like, I, I don't feel like they would have any issues. I don't think they would need to, you know, watch this for anything. I feel like they'll kind of figured they've kind of figured it out, as opposed to, uh, you know, Activision Blizzard, who just likes to take people's money. Fortnite. Um, not Fortnite. Overwatch. Call of Duty. Etc. Um... Yeah, sorry, okay. I, I talked a lot. Uh, but that was sorry a great for the tangent. No, 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 that was a great question. Thank you. Um, so in Tekken 8, you're now allowed to take control of your character during a replay at any point for 10 seconds to see what you could have done differently than what you did. It's that pretty cool. So <laughs> freaking that is really cool. cool. That is so such a good tool for like those who want to get better. You like you you lost the match play your replay oh man what if i did this option at this point would that have changed anything like for any to any 10 second interval of that replay you can just take control and just see what you could have done better hell that's even useful if you won like how could i have taken less damage in case i come against a stronger opponent if i had done this option would i have lost this battle how much it was riding on this move that i made there's just a plethora of options you could do from just being able to <laughs> essentially go back in the past and do something different even if you weren't trying to learn, that's just a cool thing to do. Just like if you just want right. to see how, like, like you just want, to, or you just want to relive one of your best fights. <laughs> just like it could be just fun for that too. How many times do we play single player games? Christy knows what I'm talking about. We kept this safe file so we could do this specific part of the game. Mm -hmm. You have a replay of a mm -hmm. fight that was like, man, that fight was so cool. What if I just did it? That's yeah. They're, right, they're, especially for like the old PS2, PS game saves, or like the GameCube. Oh my goodness, I have so many of those. <laughs> just, just there, there's no. I have nothing bad to say about this. This is just this is a cool thing in so many different ways. I love that this exists. I might have to pick it up. I, I might have to pick it up. I haven't played fighting games in like so long, but I just may have to pick it up because that's such a cool feature. <laughs> All this did was, and I'm sorry for Mortal Kombat players out there, but all this did was, to me, cement why... What? Uh, no, keep going, please. All this, did, all this did for me was cement why Street Fighter and uh, Tekken are the top two games in Fighters. Because you look at what Street Fighter Six was able to accomplish with World Tour mode and the Battle Hub and introducing uh, modern controls along with classic controls for people who want to play the game but aren't as good as some of those people that have been playing for years. Um, all of these new introductions and new ways to get people into the game but also to get them to learn how to play and, and open up your, your title. Same thing with things like this at Tekken 8. Like, it seems like a very small, just really cool type thing. But for someone who's trying to improve, being able to recognize what you did wrong and fix it in like in time with your replay is such a big deal because a lot of people when you're learning how to play these games it's about the practicality of being able to do it right like if brandon and i are playing and he's beating me and he's like all right so this is what you could have done and this is what you should have done and he shows me how to do it the moment is gone 
So it's just him telling me how these things should have worked out as opposed to like, hey, let's run that replay back. Let me let you do this again and see like what you think could have changed or what you think could have been different. And then, you have a hands-on learning experience. Exactly. It's exactly. Like, it's the practicality of being able to do it in the moment and being like, all right, this is how I handle this type of situation. Um, and, you know, Tekken 8 isn't out yet. Um, uh, just discuss this coming next year. But uh, stuff like that. Stuff like, um, you know, I love the feature. Uh, I think that it's purely novelty, but the feature to be able to turn on um, commentary during Street Fighter Six matches is so fun when you're playing with friends casually at home. Like, it, it, it's the little things like that that aren't included in games uh, and other fighters that I think keep those two games at the top it is why street fighter 6 is in the position that it's in it's why tekken 8 is going to continue to be the game that it is it's why we get street fighter cross tekken and not street fighter cross mortal Kombat. um even though we're still waiting for tekken cross street fighter but i won't bring that one up um yeah yeah i'm just just <laughs> this feature and so much more i'm looking so much to tekken 8 it's... i'm I, like the most the most exciting newcomer I'm, for me for Tekken Eight is Azucena, the Coffee Queen. She looks so cool. I want. Yeah. I want to yes. Her. Yes. Yes. Coffee Queen. Yes. Um. You mm -hmm. know. And, and just bizarre characters. Oh, you guys see that trailer, Christy? She's great. Um, Azucena. I have to see her now. Yeah. Oh, she, I will send. Great. Keep, keep talking to her. I will send her the trailer so she can watch it after the podcast. <laughs> uh, I I, I'm looking. I say. Oh um, my goodness, she looks amazing. She does, right? Oh. <laughs> Oh yeah, and uh, you know I've heard from some some friends and coworkers that Mar Mortal Kombat One is boring. Uh, boring. Yes. Ew, really? Yes. Yes. That after you get over the novelty of it, it is kind of um boring. And I I you know I was wow. like, I was like, uh, what does that even mean? And then you know they went on to describe just like you know they put it down already to pick up street fighter 6 again because it's it's fun like playing the game but all, like there's not the the extras that you get and the the time when you don't want to you know you don't want to fight competitively all the time you just want to oh, chill play some games like llama. yes llamas and alpaca <laughs> all <laughs> that type of stuff is kind of missing um but anyway, I'll move on because we've we've moved on to the alpaca. She's, so she's, move on. she's watching the cute trailer. Yeah, she she has an alpaca from in Peru, which is awesome. So, um, as announced on the official Platinum Games account, um, Hideki Kamiya will be leaving Platinum Games on October twelfth, twenty twenty three. Um, and he had a message that I will read to you guys on his Twitter, which says, "As announced on the official Platinum Games X account." I'll be, oh, yeah, X, not Twitter. I'll be leaving mm -hmm. Platinum Games on October 12, 2023. This has come after a lot of consideration based on my own beliefs and was by no means an easy decision to make. However, I feel this outcome is for the best. I will continue to create in my Hideki Kamiya way. I hope you'll keep your eyes peeled. And that's yeah. that. That's, this is the, for those who are watching the video version of this podcast, that's why I'm wearing the Wonderful 101 shirt because of this... Uh, of this uh, announcement um this is pretty shocking if i'm being quite real because um for those who know the history of hideki kamiya he used to work of course for capcom he was behind resident evil 2. The 
Yes, he was behind Resident Evil 2, and then in making a new Resident Evil game is how Devil May Cry was created because it was a mm-hmm. it was it was a it was started as a Resident Evil game, but it went so far off the rails that it just became its own franchise, which became Devil. Yeah, May Cry. it was originally I think planned to be like a Resident Evil Four or something before they actually mm-hmm. did the actual Resident Evil Four concept, and then it went so far off the rails. They're like, it has to be its own new own thing now, guys. Yeah, they gave Kami a lot of freedom for that game, and that's just what it became. Yeah, his most so, notable works were uh, just for everyone to know: Resident mm-hmm. Evil Two, Devil May Cry, Beautiful Joe, Okami, um, Bayonetta, and The Wonderful One Hundred One. Yes, exactly, exactly, and that's what I was kind of like leaning into. Is like, yeah, he made some great friends for for Capcom. Obviously, Resident Evil Two, like you said, um, Beautiful Joe, and Devil May Cry. But eventually, I guess he felt like stifled by, not, by with um, Capcom. He felt he wanted to, uh, you know spread his creative wings more and that's kind of how he and a bunch of other people from capcom uh ended up creating platinum games he is essentially one of the founders of that studio and it was made so they could just make more kind of games they wanted which usually are character action games in fact it's almost always character action games that's how we got stuff Mm -hmm. like bayonetta how we got stuff like the wonderful 101 so for him to step away from this company that he essentially helped build to give him that freedom to make something else it's it's interesting. I just I wonder if maybe he once again felt uh, chained down, even though this was more or less a company he created, and just wanted to spread his creative wings more. And maybe that's just what he's doing. So we don't know where he's going next. He didn't really say that, and you know he doesn't have to obviously. So I'm I'm curious if he makes another company that makes uh, again more specific games that he wants to make, or if he joins a company that's like offering him money to give him let him do what he wants i'm just curious to see where he ends up um he has a interesting presence on social media but there's no doubt that his uh games are top-notch quality so mm-hmm. i am very curious to see uh where he ends up what kind of games he makes yeah i mean he was um he was a uh, director uh and supervisor on a lot of uh, the titles that came out of um platinum games recently yeah so and uh mm-hmm. so so it's like he he maybe you're right you know maybe he had his hand on a lot of the stuff and he was like all right time to go venture off and do my own thing again i will say i will say platinum games top-notch studio but their quality is sometimes hit or miss and the only reason that is the case is because of uh sometimes they get roped the project that they never necessarily may not do because even though they're a good quality studio they're I would say only make a, maybe like a grade above an indie studio in terms of how much budget they get. Yeah, how much oh, budget okay. they get. Oh, yeah. Be, yeah, because they, they don't have a lot of money. So oftentimes a company will say, hey, we really want to make this licensed game. Can you do it? So then they make a game like the Legend of Korra game, which was okay, but it, but you know they had time constraints to make it. And it, they just, it, was, it, was like, it was like a solid 6 out of 10, I think a lot of reviewers gave it. Or that Transformers game, which ended up being a lot better than people thought it was going to be, and then the Ninja Turtles. Wasn't that the same for Astral? Weren't they also? Did they also make Astral Chain too? And that did, I think that got some decent reviews too for the Switch. Astral Chain got decent reviews. Yes, yeah. So you know they're like if if they're given the time and the, you know freedom, I think they end up more often than not making really good games. But it's when they have to get licensed out to make like these other projects that it seems like not as their quality is a lot more hit or miss. So maybe that's why Camille left. Maybe, maybe he just wanted to not be in a studio that's always has to make games that they don't want to make just to make sure they stay alive. So I don't know. It's a possibility. We don't know the full reason, but again, you can just see where he goes from here. 
Um, speaking of seeing where people go, let's talk about someone who isn't going anywhere. And so, that is Capcom, because they said they would gracefully decline any acquisition offer from Microsoft. Quote, I believe it would be better if we were equal partners, says COO Haruhiro Haruhiro Sujimoto. Mm. Um, and that's from Bloomberg.com. And yeah, I think that that's he says he said it all. I don't know that there's anything else left to say. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing else to add. There, there really isn't. I, I just love the fact that they specifically said would would, would gracefully decline. I mean, you <laughs> have like, to do it. In other, in, in other words, they're not going to laugh you out of the room, <laughs> like we what? said last podcast, like a certain studio would. No, like it's like, well, thank you for your interest, but uh, we will not be doing this thing. Yeah, thanks, like, but like, no thanks. Fu- like full fu- fu- full respect, which I find hilarious. But there it is. Yeah, Capcom will remain independent. Cool. The other part of this is just that, like, you just wonder how much of this would not have happened or come out had those emails not leaked, right? Because he had no other reason to say this, like, at all, aside yeah. from yep. the leaked Microsoft emails. And what sucks so much is that, like, you have to be, you know, for Microsoft, you have to be in a, in a position where you're just like, damn, like, all these people think of are thinking this of us now because of emails that were not supposed to be out in the open so it's just like yeah now capcom is like gracefully declining an acquisition an offer that, that may have not even been made. yeah like it's like what do we look like now to the greater I, industry i didn't even think about that drill like what if the next few weeks we just start seeing statements from various companies <laughs> no saying whether Either, either, no thanks, or hey, use Microsoft's money, buy us out, fam. Right? Why not? Platinum games. But even then, it's like, oh my god. Even then, it's like Microsoft is Japan right now too. Yeah, platinum games. We we like, uh, yeah, buy us Microsoft. Bring back (laughs) scale (laughs) now. Let's go because they did. What did you say, Christy? Uh, I was like, how, like, how terrible must it was it? For Microsoft, who I think they were like in Japan during TGS for like the emails to leak like right before uh, they landed yeah, in Japan. Yes. It's like, oh god, that would have been a night. That, yes. That's just a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, apparently they were really hard to find. Phil Spencer was really hard to find out at TGS, apparently, and I I see why. Yeah, <laughs> it would also be really hard to find. If I, I wonder there. why. <laughs> would also be really hard to find because I'm pretty sure the media over there would have had a field day. Yep. Yep. It's just I do feel I do feel bad for them though about this specifically because I can only imagine like my own emails to my team going out and then random like COOs being like, Hey, no thanks. I'm like I didn't even ask. <laughs> like, but okay. Thanks for letting me know you're but, not but I mean, I, I but I mean like at the same time it's like how many times have emails been hacked? in like yeah. the past several years like yeah, yeah. this is a known thing like nothing is ever truly secure even if you're on your own company's email like true but, days- 100% I agree with you but at the same time then how am I supposed to have these types of conversations that are business conversations you know what I mean like these over are the all, phone these are all but but these are with people that are not going to be in the same area or in the same time zones or everything at the same time so it's like I, on I, a zoom call Okay. <laughs> Things that will not leave a paper trail. But these, these are, are times fly, where fly, you're no, like, I, I don't want. Fly, I fly to Japan, Billy. There. 
I completely hear you, but I <laughs> don't face. think that any of these conversations were as, like, we read some of them, and I don't think they were as bad as the media is making them seem. It was very much a matter of fact of, like, hey, it might be a really good idea to consider uh, acquiring Nintendo at this time because they are sitting on a pile of money, and it could make us a lot of money. That was the conversation. Like, it wasn't like, mm -hmm. oh, Nintendo sucks. We're going to buy them out because they're trash. Or we're going <laughs> to buy them out because we think that we're better than everybody else. And I feel like the, the, the conversation is spun to make the perception be that. But that wasn't what those emails technically said. So, like, even then, reading them, I don't feel like they were emails that were so secretive that they needed to be Zoom calls. Like, this is just like a, hey, I have a thought. Like, look at these companies. I'm thinking about this. What do you think? Let me know. And those are average regular emails. Now, did they get turned into something ridiculous? Yes. Um, but just to, to slightly be fair for Microsoft, like, if you actually go and, like, for anyone listening, if you actually go and read those emails, they pretty much were just like, hey, Nintendo's sitting on a lot of money. It could be, you know, a strategic uh, a benefit for us if we acquired them. Let's talk about it. Smiley face. Now, some of them were like, Wait. yeah, no, we have a better, you know, we've got a better situation than PlayStation does right now. But also, they thought that they did. So why wouldn't it be? It, none of it was, like, top secret, like, cannot expose this Microsoft well, core I information. Think in, I think in one of them, they were like, well, we have a former Microsoft board of directors, like, buying Nintendo shares. And so you're like, you probably shouldn't have disclosed that in an email. Fair. 100% fair. Yes, that, yes. 100% agree with you. You are completely correct. Yeah. Um, so I take back what I said. I was just talking about the previous emails of, like, acquisitions, but that is correct. Um, and with that... And even then... Huh? Nothing. Nothing. I, I I'm, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. I didn't hear what you said. We'll go off a tangent. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, with that, good night, everybody. I think we're done here. Bye. <laughs> Oh, oh bye okay. everyone. Bye. See ya. Bye.